0: hey everyone welcome to the tusok tusok filipino food podcast where we find out how food figures into everything in our lives
1: here in this podcast we will deal you some interesting facts about the history and culture behind our food to start a more conscious discussion of our cuisine i'm pat and i'm mappy the hosts of this show this episode we're going to get a bit spooky in a way and talk about superstitions and spiritualities that concern our food.
0: What's the most bizarre superstition you've ever heard? One thing that comes into my mind agad, but I can't quite remember, is do you know about that superstition where if you're eating dao, and if you drop a spoon, I think you'll have a visitor that's a woman? And if you drop a fork, you'll have a visitor that's a guy? Have you heard of that?
1: Um. No, I have actually not heard of that superstition. This is a first for me.
0: Okay, okay. Well, at least now you know. I I could be switching those two around, but I've heard that a lot. And another thing I've heard is that if you start clearing the dining table without waiting for everyone to finish their meals there, the last person left eating will be forever single. Because of that, no one's allowed to start clearing the dining table until everyone's done eating.
1: Interesting. So, parang ano talaga? Parang forever alone talaga ano. Um, ako naman. Um, a superstition that I have heard of is uh, one about aswangs. Um, I've heard of garlic, you know, being used against uh, vampires to kind of ward them off. But our superstitions dictate that it is also used um to get rid of aswangs. Um, in an essay by Corazon uh, Alvina. and Feliz Padente Santa Maria, they said that in Christian Milucana um, culture, the full-on armor to protect yourself from asuang, or from aswangs consists of salt, vinegar, scissors, ginger, garlic, and onions. So if you want to completely demon-proof your entire house or your kitchen, have a stock of crushed oyster or clamshell, pepper, and calamansi juice to ward off the monsters. About. Paranganin, full set of the, of the kitchen
0: orchestra. Yeah, na
1: <laughs> so um outside naman, outside your house, scattering sesame seeds around your bahay kubo was also another method of distracting as swanks as they'd be too busy to count the individual seeds before they knock and enter your home. Cool na.
0: Yeah, parang Ghostbusters Lang, but Pinoy edition. I'd watch something like that, I think. I think that would be fun i'd
1: also watch something like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing with superstitions they're weird sometimes they're kind of fun and they're not exactly backed up by any scientific evidence but people still believe them because of tradition or at least they enjoy spreading them around because it's a cool thing to know like we just did in the philippines specifically superstitions are an important part of our country's history and culture and since we're known to be an agricultural country, there's lots of farms, we naturally have plenty of superstitions related to food and farming.
1: There's actually a journal written, article, uh, journal article rather, um, written by Emma Sarapta-Yule that studied the superstitious beliefs of farmers in the zone in Visayas. Uh, for example, she shared a belief that farmers should scatter ashes or charcoal over their crops to blind the insects, birds, and evil spirits. Farmers also ate heavy meals before sowing or planting rice, so the crops can have bigger grains. Yule also acknowledged, though, that farmers now are more well-read, so they don't really believe um, these superstitions that much anymore. But apparently, they still prefer these local traditions over American uh, practices like germinating tests and seed selection.
0: In the book, Clash of Spirits by Philomeno Aguilar, he said there that there's a superstition in Negros where every time they have a new machine or equipment for use in their sugar plantations, they baptize it with the blood of a chicken in a ritual to appease the spirits. There was one year in particular in the 1960s that was recorded that they didn't perform the ritual Dao. And because of that, The equipment mysteriously blew up and it even brutally injured 16 people. So similarly, American historian Alfred McCoy stated in another journal article that Filipinos showed national resistance against the Americans through superstitions. During the cholera outbreak from 1902 to 1904, Americans observed quarantine regulations by burning bodies and self-isolation, but Filipinos disregarded these scientific methods to preserve their superstitious rituals and beliefs. See, although those Western medical practices were scientifically accurate, McCoy also said that Filipinos' resistance through superstitions was an equally valid response. Keeping in mind what, the, what I just said about the story in the sugar plantations and the explosions, um, I can see why Filipinos had to do things according to what they experienced and what they believed.
1: Maybe, you know, that history also explains why some superstitions reflect our Filipino values. Uh, What you said earlier about waiting for everyone to finish their meals before clearing the table, it's in line with how Filipinos are very hospitable people. And they demonstrate their humility by insisting, you know, insisting house guests to eat together at the dining table. Um, I never recall the time that our guests did not eat in the same table as us. They always, had to make room for guests on the table.
0: Ah, Yo, to- to- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I also read in a uh, Pepper PH article, which said that the number of rice grains you leave uneaten on your plate will equate to the number of days you'll have in purgatory. It kind of reminded me of the value of rice to our country naman, or how Filipinos highly regard farmers to be laborers who work hard to provide fresh food for our consumption.
0: And baka that's where all the parents get their lines to make us finish our food. Have you ever experienced that?
1: Um I know this for a fact because my own mom would be all over me for not finishing my rice. Every time na uh, she would see something on my plate, she would have at it at me and she would say, "My mga ibang batang nagugutom sa labas, so kailangan ubusin 'yung pagkain mo para hindi sayang."
0: Yeah, lagging connected yung values and superstitions. But now that we're talking about that connection, um, I have to ask, how come superstitions are still around even when Catholicism and Christianity plays a big part in the Filipino community's values? Isn't it a bit odd for Filipinos to be both religious and very superstitious?
1: Actually, magandang um, tanong yan. Uh, it, Napaka ironic nga kasi, no. Imagine mo, religious ka pero superstitious at, at the same time. So, paano nga ang yade
0: Before we answer that question, I think it's time for our share Ko Lang segment break. all this talk about food and snacks and garlic and everything is making me kind of hungry. Is it almost lunchtime?
1: We had lunch 12 hours ago, that. <laughs> Parang Hindi pa. Ta. But you know, who says? <laughs>
0: Wait, lang ang funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we put in our script, but it's actually almost ten PM. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners, yes, we're recording this late into the night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> parang parang di parang tapos na lunch nat But who says yeah, very... who says you have to wait for, for lunch or dinner for as a matter of fact? You're always, always free to grab some merienda.
0: Oh, Naman. Okay, since we're talking about our values earlier, I can't help but think of how Filipino hospitality shines best through our offerings of merienda. Did you know that the concept of merienda actually is something that we got from the Spanish and eventually made into our own thing? For them, the word la merienda is a snack that they give their kids sometime between lunch and dinner. Panto with gutom siya, basically. Even if it's something we picked up from Spain, we've adopted it into our culture. Um, we've adopted our own culture of merienda so that they fit our country's culture more. It's why we have the merienda meals like champorado and tuyo, or my favorite, turon.
1: I always remember seeing you with like a stick of turon in campus uh, all the time without fail, <laughs> especially like afternoons. Um, I, remember, <laughs> I remember back in high school, Whenever I had a visit to a friend's house to work on some school projects or just to hang out in general, I remember uh, their moms would always offer us some form of merienda, um, uh, vienna sausage. That's a a classic,
0: true. Or kaya spam, no, like slices of spam just um, displayed on the table, always crispy. (laughs) And in my Friends' place, naman. They would have a pantry, and then she would hand us some puto or soft mamon.
1: Yung ana, Um yung galang red ribbon. Yes. With that,
0: it's really
1: <laughs> good. Um, you know what's weird, though? Uh, some of our merienda snacks actually translate to some pretty bad words in Spanish. Um, I've also heard that in Mexican slang, mamon means a sucker or a jerk, but in Tagalog, it's just you know, sponge cake. Um, puto in Filipino refers to Steve Rice Cake. In Spanish-speaking countries, however, puto actually means...
0: Okay, okay. I think I get where you were going with that. Um, I'll make sure not to say any of those words if ever I visit Spain or Mexico. Um, I'm not sure if I'll ever go there, but I'll keep that in mind. And I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's it for our Shekolang segment for today. I learned a lot.
1: Before we get to the episode, a quick word from our sponsor. The Mamacita Foundation's Heirloom Grains Project promotes the centuries-old traditions of farming the many different varieties of heirloom rice in the Cordillera region. The Heirloom Rice champorado is an opportunity for everyone to have a taste of tradition while supporting the communities who harvest the grains. The Heirloom Rice Champarado is available in Ominio, Minaagan, Kalinga Djekot, and Balatinao variants. You can purchase these online in Lazada, Shopee, the Mamacita's website, on Viber, and on the Mamacita's Recipes Facebook page. Like the Mamacita Foundation's Facebook page for more information on other advocacies that bring the best of the Philippines' culinary heritage to the world. So we're back to our podcast. Um, Before our little merienda break, we talked about how there are numerous food-related superstitions because superstitions reflect our country's culture and history. But that begs the question, why do Filipinos support superstitions and Catholicism at the same time? Bringing it back to the point earlier, superstitions were a form of national resistance, especially since we picked up Catholicism from the Spaniards.
0: Well, I was about to say that plenty of food related superstitions actually incorporate Catholic beliefs as well. So, parang mix lang talaga siya. Yule's journal said that farmers' traditions are a queer mix-up of paganism and Christianity. So, for example, farmers believe that working on Sundays or holidays will cause failure of crops. And that's in line with our belief on resting during Sundays or Sabbath days.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, when cutting the first grain, the farmer recites the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer when he gets to give us this day our daily bread he will cut around 20 stalks, tie them, solemnly walk home, and hang the bundle above his stove until the harvest is finished. You know, when you think about it more, our cultural beliefs do rest on our religious beliefs as well.
0: Yeah, and all this talk about superstitions and beliefs leads us down this pretty interesting route. I've always thought of superstitions to be the complete opposite of religion because this would. what This was what I was taught in high school. But with food in the equation, religion kind of becomes intertwined with superstition. The common thread is just that we want to live a safe and good life. Alvina and Santa Maria also mentions this. Filipinos, regardless of religion, are united in their wish for a happy, well-supplied, and safe home. So it's all for good things and for the family naman.
1: And that's not of course limited to our religion only. Various religions across the globe have an intricate relationship with food. Um, This can be about anything from religious uh, symbolism, tradition of cookery, to prohibitions or food taboo. Uh, Think of how Judaism and Islam describe a strict set of rules regarding what they can or cannot eat. Judaism has kashrut, uh, their dietary laws, While Islam has haram, or forbidden, and halal, or allowed.
0: Yeah, going off of what you just said, one of our friends from Ateneo actually shared her experience with food and Islam in the Philippines. Hen Namoka, who is a practicing Muslim from our school, mentioned that the Quran focuses on balanced meals, a healthy lifestyle, and in terms of Islamic tradition ethical consumption and production. So the idea is that food has to be both healthy and produced in humane ways. So when it comes to meat and poultry, Hen talked about the concept of halal which is meat that is prepared according to Islamic laws, thus making it suitable to eat for them. She also shared, though, that the biggest struggle is finding diverse halal options here in Metro Manila, which has encouraged her to support small Muslim food businesses on social media. It gave her the opportunity to try food options sourced directly from Mindanao, which I think is pretty cool! I kind of want to check out the options for myself and share it with our listeners, too. Maybe we'll post it on our social media?
1: And you know, while we're on the topic of religious practices, ethnic groups from the Cordilleras also have food as part of their rituals. Um, during Kanyao, a festival in celebration of the god Kabunian, igorots will butcher and sacrifice livestock, such as chicken or pigs, as an act of Thanksgiving. Uh, these offerings are done in hopes of winning the God's favor and have been around the Philippines way before the Spanish game. Every meal comes with a drink, of course, which is where the traditional accompanying rice wine tapuy comes into the picture. It's considered a central figure in these events as rice is used or is used as a special commodity and so tapuy is only ever broken out on important occasions such as the caña.
0: Speaking of that, there's an interesting Inquirer article by Annalyn Salvador Amores and Marlon Martin that highlights the importance of rice in Ifugao culture. For starters, variations of rice are used by Ifugao mumbakis, their native shamans who preserve local rites and customs, so they use it in their healing practices. So according to the two writers, they typically also preside over praying for the abundant harvests of the surrounding rice terraces. According to them, whenever a mumbaki is elevated to a higher order, rice ceremonies make a reappearance. And forgive me if I say any of these words wrong, but there's a lot of words I'm not too familiar with, but I'll read them out. Um, Baya or baya a type of rice wine unique to Ifugao is part of their ritual paraphernalia when honoring bulol, bulol? Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but bulol, bulol, the rice god. The sacred, time-honored traditions just continue to prove how valuable granary is to their culture.
1: And you know, Pat, granary is just a small part of the many more food items that define culture. Um, while superstition and religion may not always agree on all fronts, the role of food in both remains pretty uncontested.
0: And it was interesting to me just to go through all of these different cultures around the Philippines, and not just around the Philippines, but around the world too, and see how they all appreciate and incorporate food in different ways that are all interesting and kind of centers on this theme of like, health wellness and also like good fortune for their family and for their crops in general so we talked a lot about food and superstition and culture in this episode we brushed up on our food superstitions we had a little Miranda break where i had a vocabulary lesson and we also talked about the relationship of faith in our food and i guess that's it for this week's Tusok Tusok episode, I'm Pat
1: and I'm Matthew. We'll see you next time.
0: <laughs> this episode of Tusok Tusok was produced by Patricia Valoria and Matthew Yuching. Script written by Leica Goles, researched by Miguel Yanes, and edited by Patricia Valoria. The music was composed by Riley Ogarte sound editing by Matthew Yuching and the posters and graphic design was made by Genesis and Galilee Tan.